Hi folks, it's Tim here. Before we start today's episode, I just wanted to take a few seconds to tell you about an upcoming charity event that my partner Kirsty and I are hosting next month called the Charity Geekathon. Uh, we do it every year and we basically do um, a 24-hour-ish movie marathon and this year we're watching every Disney animated movie from the 90s to raise money for a local kid called Carter who has cerebral palsy. Um, it's a cause that we're really passionate about because my big sister Tilly uh, also has cerebral palsy but Carter is only two years old so we're raising money to give him a great start in life. We start at 9am on Saturday the 13th of April and we'll be finishing on Sunday at 5.24am. Oh God. Or if we hit our target of 700 quid before then, we have to watch another bonus movie as well. Um, We're already 25% of the way to our target, so we're doing pretty good. Um, But if you think this is a good cause, uh, like we do, and you have a few quid going spare, or if you want to see how you can get live updates throughout the weekend, um, you can head over to our page which is justgiving.com forward slash geekathon4. That's justgiving.com forward slash geekathon4. Thanks, and uh, on with the podcast. I'm starting to worry there are no decent <coughs> Disney live-action films. We are in a bit of a bad patch. Well, as yeah. far as we're concerned, yeah. We're going to have to branch out into different decades, I think. We're, st- we're stuck in the s- 70s. Well... I think this is where we need to get onto Brink and Halloween sound. <laughs> was Fluke one? God, that's depressing. Phil. Are you just saying words now? Yes. I've never. What's Brink about then? Brink is the uh, one of the aspiring skateboarders, uh, and oh. it all finishes with a big skateboarding competition. I think it might be the actual X Games that they go on. What is it roller skates that do? It's some sort of extreme sport. Goofy Movie Two ends with um, college X Games, but like the like officially branded X Games in yes. a cartoon. Yeah, they do actually, don't they? Yeah, I remember that. Anyway. <laughs> Welcome to Outer Mouse Podcast, the podcast where we watch and review the obscure and forgotten live-action Disney movies on the hunt for a hidden gem. I'm Chris, and I'm joined by Tim. Hi, Tim. Hello. For some reason, when you said I'm Chris, I nearly said hello, as if I was you. Maybe you are. I had to restrain myself. I'm getting very confused. I mean, as far as the listeners are concerned, they know that I'm Chris and you're Tim, but is that actually true? We could be anyone. This is some Truman Show-style shit going on here. Yeah. Uh, ah, Truman Show. I wish we were review- I wish we were reviewing that instead. Good film. Yeah. Unlike speaking of <laughs> good films, not this one. I'm really glad that you picked this film this week, only because if you hadn't picked it, I was going to pick it for my next choice. And I'm really glad that the um, the responsibility fell on your shoulders. Oh great, yeah. I do regret this one. I only picked it because you said the name of it. So, in one of the other podcasts. So you you copied my homework, is what you're saying? Yeah. Well, my idea is I want to go for the films with the funniest titles. Well, this is definitely one of them. Yeah, but as it stands, I'm starting to regret regret that strategy, and I might change things up a bit. If you were listening to our last uh, episode, you'll know that we picked... <sighs> one of our dinosaurs is missing, 
as our episode for today. And just the title alone, it sounds like a right hoot, doesn't it? Yeah, and um, that's exactly what I thought the first time I watched it, because I I didn't know if I've mentioned, but this is not the first time I viewed it. Okay, when did you first watch it? So I first watched this film when I was at film club at my primary school when I was about eight, eight or nine. Um, Wyberswood Primary School in Grimmers, Mm. we had, um, yeah, as I say, film club, where they had an actual old school projector with speakers and once a week, I think it was probably, it was either a Tuesday or a Thursday, they would, uh, after school, play uh, a, a film of some kind. Uh, you know, like like they did in the 90s for like a quid. Yeah. And they probably made a good profit off it. <laughs> and they had a tuck shop. And uh, But the thing was, your uh, film timetable of what was coming, you basically, it was just printed on your membership card, which is something I remember. So it was like a really tiny little yellow bit of card, which had the names of the films and what week. Oh, yeah. And so all I knew about this film was literally the title, <laughs> One of Our Dinosaurs is Missing, which I think might actually be the first example of a clickbait title that it there's was. ever been. <laughs> <laughs> You've as well called it, you'll never believe where have our dinosaurs gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then, like, the closing credits just says like and subscribe about ten yeah. times. These are 14 possible locations for this dinosaur. <laughs> so, yeah, as a as a eight-year-old me, at the time of your Jurassic Parks and your Land Before Times, yeah. di- proper dinosaur ma- mania in the 90s, mm. I was... Din- dinosaur TV show. Dinosaurs, oh, yeah. Fucking brilliant show, yeah. that. But I, I was really excited for what I thought was going to be a really good... 90s romp about dinosaurs mm. and boy was i disappointed <laughs> was this eight-year-old you or well did eight-year-old you enjoy it eight-year-old me sat through the whole thing thinking what the fuck am i watching and the fact that i was able to think that at eight i don't know what i was <laughs> expecting at, at, at 30 because bloody nora what a film i don't even know how to describe this one if we're being generous shall we say of its time of its time yes that's a very politically correct way of putting it. Yeah. Um, to, to be fair, this film came out in 1975, which we're going to say right off the top before we carry on. Yeah. But um, can we also have a disclaimer here that any that things we get into this podcast, we're just reviewing what's happening. So yeah. if like we feel compelled to do any impressions or such, we're pointing out what. Because we don't use clips of this podcast, do we? So we're just pointing out yeah, what, so basi- is, uh, what is reality, basically. Yeah. Trigger warning, this is going to get hella racist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just a bit. Oh, God. I'm, I'm a this film exists. I mean, spoiler, you know, it's quite racist towards China. Well, China as a whole. And it's racist towards every person that's in the film, really. Yeah. Like, it, there is... Chinese characters, which are all stereotypes. To be fair, that all the British people are stereotypes as well. Okay, yeah. Uh, there's an American stereotype and a Scottish stereotype. So everyone is being insulted in mm. this film. But obviously, the the big thing is that it's all white people that are doing the insulting. Yes, like it's obviously a written by white people. It's uh, it's acted by white people as well, which is where we get into some real. Issues with this film. <laughs> but one thing I find incredible is you watched this on Disney Life, didn't you? Yeah. So yeah, that's something that I think's really weird. Um, yeah, before we even go into the plot of the film or anything like that, especially with Disney, because they 
famously, you can no longer really watch the film Song of the South. I was going to bring up the same film, yeah. Yeah, so I've never seen Song of the South, um, but Kirsty had it as on VHS as a kid, so mm. that was the very last time that um, Song of the South was ever released by Disney. Um, and back in the day, the, the controversies for that film were obviously, it um, takes place during the time of slavery, um, it's a very stereotypical... Um, viewpoint of black America that is portrayed in that film. Um, So understandably, these days it has been banned. But yeah, you're right that it's bizarre that that would be banned when at the same time you know, we've got this film uh, One of Our Dinosaurs is Missing where all of the Asian characters are played by white people in makeup. Yeah. The thing I find incredible is obviously um, Disney you know, they've bought the like Marvel franchise, for example, and they've had yeah. done some things in China. Yeah. Where, and, you know, let's face it, China at the moment is the big place yeah. uh, for, like, distribution. Like, there's been many films made in America that would have bombed if they hadn't done so in China. It's so important these days. It is, yeah. To please the audience. And I'm amazed that they've not... I, I guess they've just forgotten about this film because they'd immediately vault this. You know, forget about it, pretend it doesn't exist. Hope exactly. Hope no China it's, knows about it. Unlike... Song of the South, which was one of the Dis- supposedly one of the Disney classics, and there's loads of people that remember it fondly. I don't think there's anywhere there would be anywhere near as up- much upcry, outcry. Sorry, if they just literally <clears throat> pre- sw- swept this one under the carpet, really. I reckon none at all. I-, I think we've picked out a bit of a. I was going to say hidden gem, for the opposite of that, a hidden turd, shall we say? Because <laughs> like literally, IMDb, like it's been rated only fifteen hundred times. Which really for a Disney film, yeah, yeah. So yeah, and it's it's the thing is obviously we are both uh, in our thirties. Yeah, we understand the context of these things. So you know, whilst we're watching it, we can understand where it's come from. But as you pointed out, it's on the Disney Life streaming app, which is accessible to children essentially. Mm. So it's very it's a very odd place to put that kind of film because. If if a kid is just watching it on their own, they're not going to understand why it's problematic. Yeah. Um. And they might, if they're unsupervised, there's nobody to tell them mm. what they're digesting. Because uh, one thing that a lot of people say about Song of the South is that um, obviously you don't want to really release it as is, but a lot of people call, have been suggesting that it could be released in a sort of for historical purposes. Yeah, like a disclaimer um, at the front. Yeah, because yeah. um, Disney did for a while have um, a series of DVDs that they released called Disney Treasures, and it was basically lost and forgotten stuff that was um, for collectors, essentially. So it wasn't necessarily mm. stuff that was entertaining. As so, uh, For instance, they did a lot of the... Because Disney did a lot of war propaganda for the American government, yeah. um, so they released all of that on DVD. Um, and obviously, with the context of this, is not really to be enjoyed as entertainment, but it is. It's it served a function at the time, and a lot of people have been saying that you could easily release Song of the South as a historical document in that way. Um, which makes sense, but then at the same time, you've got them dumping shit like this on Disney Life <laughs> for children to watch. Yeah. And it just seems like such a double standard. It's very bizarre. The only thing I can think about Song of the South is you don't want, they probably don't want to be seen from profiting from it. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. yeah. But then again, they could donate profits to this, that, and the other. But yeah, this film. 
objectively, this film should not be available in the format I watched it. Probably not, no. <laughs> I, I illegally downloaded it again. But, you know. Well, that's all right. No, yeah. but Disney didn't get your dollar for that one. No, it didn't. So I suppose at some point we're going to have to talk about this film. Yeah. Oh, okay. and I just wanted to, before we started, I just wanted to say that last night I was talking to one of our uh, listeners, Patrick, on Twitter, oh, yes, who yeah. said he was really looking forward to this episode because um, this was the first episode uh, the first episode we've done where he hadn't watched the film previously. Um, so from what we've already said, Patrick, don't. <laughs> <laughs> don't bother. <laughs> go, go watch something else instead. So, so but, else the, daft title for but at the same time, you know, this podcast episode will be informative in a way, I guess. Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> As we become more of the problem, just two white guys sat here... Talking about why it's racist, yeah, and why it's offensive, but you know, while swearing, and yeah. saying all sorts of offensive words, yeah. So there, there we are. That's oh dear, oh dear. that's what this is. Yeah, get over it. So, <laughs> so shall we start with the actual film then? I guess. Yeah, we're yeah. going to have to, aren't we? So the opening is a bit different to what we've had so far in that it's very lazy and looks like the opening credits to On the Buses. On the buses, or I thought, do you remember the original animated um, Paddington series? Oh, yeah, yeah. Where um, it's like hand-drawn backgrounds, watercolour backgrounds with like, um, yeah, it's 2D images that are just being dragged across the screen. Yeah. Not actually animated. Like, like just on, beneath the screen is like a lollipop stick that it's held onto that's dragging it along. Yeah, yeah. and you're right, it was... Of all the films we've watched, this is the shittest intro to a film ever. Yeah, it's like literally got a close-up of a poster advertising Bovril. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The the best um, design choices are where they've literally just ripped off real adverts. Yeah. Um, but it's trying to set up the a, a time and a place. Yeah. Which is obviously uh, post World War One, pre World War Two London, sort of. Well, we've got the introduction by the older version of I think his name's Ed. Yeah. At the beginning. Uh, it's basically just, you know, when Dick Van Dyke dresses up as like the old banker in Mary Poppins? Yeah. It's the same principle. <laughs> yeah, it is. And he's, he's here to tell us about those wonderful years after World War One. Yeah. And there was something I noticed here straight away, which is that any Disney film, live action, mm. that is based anywhere between like 1800 and 1930, they dress everyone exactly the same. Yeah. Um, so it could be the 30s, it could be 1802. Like They specifically say that it's before, you know, just after World War One, but really it looks like after World War Two. I'd say, almost. It looks like it could be a companion piece to Mary Poppins. Yeah, yeah. it looks like Mary Poppins, it looks like Bedknobs and Broomsticks, all of these films that are sort of set in the same 40, 50 year period, but they yeah. all look exactly the same. Do you think it's just because they wanted to reuse all the props and, oh, absolutely. and dresses and yeah. all that lot? Yeah I, yeah, I would say so. But yeah, so we have this old man that's um, telling us he's going to spin us a yarn, basically. Yeah, the following story. And immediately, oh God, it, his young version is just like a Chinaman. Yeah, so... He, oh God, here we go. So the main plot of this film is that the gentleman, which we shall call Lord Southmere, uh, because that's his name. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I've got that on Ned. It was easy to write. Yeah, I've got that circled so I can't forget it on my notes. But um, yeah, he's um, trying to get Lotus X, mm. the mysterious formula for Lotus X, and smuggle it out of China. And as you say, he is dressed as a Chinese person. Um, 
for disguise purposes. So I let that slide a yeah, little bit. It's fine. It's in terms of comedy because this is a comedy, by the way. Oh yeah, apparently. And to be fair, this was the first um, comedy we've watched that I did feel felt like a comedy, but it, it the, had I, a go. I just didn't like the jokes because no. they were all very offensive. Now this one definitely was programmed for laughs. Just <laughs> unlike fucking computer war tennis shoes. Yeah. But yeah, so we get a good montage of uh, he's running through a Chinese village being chased by the locals. He's it, he, flying on a kite of some kind. Yeah, where for some reason he pulls out a chicken leg. Like, where the fuck did he get that from? Yeah, he's just having his lunch up in the sky. Um, and then I, I don't think anywhere in China at that time would be would have uh, chicken legs. Oh, well, didn't we go through like centuries of great famine? Where do you get the chicken leg from? But yeah, he gets attacked by a bird because it sets that up. And somehow, for, a, for a comedy fallout of the sky kind of thing. Yeah, where somehow he lands in the earth, as it is, just head, it's oh, like yeah. neck deep in mud, like, <laughs> okay. Because that's how that works. Yeah. And then finally, he's we see him being escorted to the Chinese border by the abominable snowman. This is a lot to take in the first two minutes. It's This film, I know we've said it before about other films that we've watched, this film is running at full steam. Worse than any, it feels like they're actually physically fast forwarding the the actual footage, doesn't it? This is yeah. I was going to bring this up after the next scene, but even this bit starts like it. It does. This is a weird film, and I thought obviously because I downloaded it, you know, it's a bloody old .avi file. That's how old it was. Yeah, I thought at first that my copy had been copied over wrong. Yeah, because you were halfway through and you tweeted me, didn't you? And you're yeah, like, "What's going on? Like, is this?" Just your copy. Like literally every single scene, the dialogue, the the images, and everything seems to be going at about. I'd say, I, I said two times two speed, but it feels more like one point five. Yeah, where it seems as though whoever was editing it was unhappy at how slowly the action of a fast paced stuff was going. Yeah, and this carries on throughout the film, but. Um... It sort of stops and starts, doesn't it? Like yeah, it there'll does. be dialogue scenes which are quite slow, and you wish they were sped up. And then suddenly, there'll be action scenes that are far too fast. Yeah. And I did think, like, something that stood out for me right at the beginning was just how shonky the uh, editing was. It felt like it, yeah. Like literally, a scene will cut where someone's still speaking, almost. Yeah. Like literally, the very last word will be spoken, and then suddenly we're on to the next bit, mm. and you're just not given any time to know what's going on. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the uh, problem is, I mean, my um, Background is in film production. Yeah. Well, as in my education background, you know, it's been a decade now. <laughs> but unlike my dissertation was a video editing. Right. And like the main thing I picked up while writing it was like a quote from someone saying, if you notice the editing, then it's bad editing. Yeah, and you definitely and notice the editing on this. It clunks along so badly. Between the actual physical editing and the sped up action i feel like maybe this film the initial cut was maybe like two hours and disney were like you have to get it down to an hour and a half and all they did was like cut out like milliseconds between shots and then sped up what they couldn't click edit speed times 1.5 done and i think that's literally what they did because it's so bad and but again all of these films we're watching are pretty much bang on sort of an hour and a half aren't Mm. they Nothing goes over an hour and 35 minutes. No, it doesn't. Um, And in most of these films so far, it's been a good thing, especially this one. (laughs) (laughs) 
from our silly montage of him escaping China, we then uh, get to King's Cross and he's met off the train by some toff. Uh, and they go on about how they found Lotus X, which apparently is the greatest thing since the Chinese invented gunpowder. Yeah. Um, because of the uh, really posh accents for the whole of this opening scene, I thought they were talking about Lotus Eggs, as in <laughs> E-double-G-S. And so I was like, oh, I wonder if a Lotus Egg is a real thing. Googled it. And a, a Lotus Egg is those um, quartz crystals that um, Gwyneth Paltrow says you should put in your vagina. Oh, for fuck's sake. So that made this film have a really different tone when I, when I thought that's what they were talking about. <laughs> what is it Chef does? Is it Gloop, is it called? Goop. Goop. So um, this is the the forerunner to Goop was um, this man running off uh, stealing vag eggs from China. <laughs> well, it'll make for a better film. It really would. Yeah. Especially if you had it hidden up there. <laughs> Maybe that's how he smuggled it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, from from this point on, I really thought that this was a, this is what I kept in my head was that he was uh, working for Gwynny. So we we were just talking about how he's disguised as a Chinaman. Okay, slightly misjudged, but it's fine. It serves a purpose. Then we get to the actual evil Chinese men. His driver get, lets him into his car, uh, and then we find out yeah. that the driver is an assassin. Yeah. Um, and I've already forgotten at this point. Was it was this guy actually played by an Asian actor? No, 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 no. None of them were. I think this is RD. I think the taxi driver was a guy called Quan, and the other bigger oh, guy yeah. whose name I never noted down. I should probably look at IMDb. Yeah, because Quan is one of the main characters, but at this point I hadn't clicked that Quan yeah. was the driver. Yeah, but, yeah, he's the driver here. And so, how would you describe what they're doing with? Uh, Makeup and facial expressions. So, I'm not a, f- I'm not a big, um, I'm not a big fan of Breakfast at Tiffany's. Who's who is it in that? Uh, Audrey oh, Hepburn. Hepburn. Yeah. But I, th- I think it's Breakfast at Tiffany's that has a white guy playing an Oriental. It, yeah, it's a Mickey Rooney. Yeah, Mickey yeah. Rooney, and they do a very similar thing with Mickey Rooney that they do for Mickey Rooney, where it's got really heavy eyeliner. Um, every single character who is supposed to be Chinese has a big. Um, Mustache. Yep. Um, they don't. They don't go full on yellow with the makeup, though. At least it's the... no. There's that and uh, squinting. Yeah, everyone's squinting, and the accent that they use is the most stereotypical ac- accent that your uncle still does at Christmas. When yeah. you... So just to make things even easier, uh, easier for us. Or not. So the taxi driver guy, like the number two, is called Quan, and the our main guy is called Juan. Yeah. So that's going to make it even easier. Fantastic. I didn't even hear Juan's name in the film until like right at the end when I wrote it down. Yeah. And yeah, so their accents as well. Um, I don't think we can go through doing impressions, but you can sort of imagine the laziest bloody nineteen seventies wheel tappers and shunters club. That was that for reference to Granada Men and Motors for you. What? I know. Okay. I, 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 I speak older than what I am. <laughs> yeah, it's just it, not It good. is bad. And all the way through the film, basically after any line of dialogue is spoken to any of the Chinese characters, they then have to do a really over-the-top sort of exclamation. Again, in that really sort of... It sounds like my cat backfiring. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. That yeah. is what it is. Yeah, but fucking hell. Oh, God. I'm finding it so difficult to talk about. Yeah. So, Lord Southmere is he a lord or just Peter Arnold? Um, he is a Lord Southmere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lord Southmere. He escapes into the museum, and after a quick skirmish, um, he he manages to escape through a pram. Somehow. Yeah, he jumps into an empty pram and just like saunters off in it. <laughs> Where's the baby? Oh, it's we do see a shot of the baby with a with its nanny on a bench at one okay, point. Okay, fine. But uh, yeah, I didn't really understand that at the time, but yeah. it comes later on. And There's going to be a lot of nannies in this, by the way. Yep, because uh, apparently nannies are funny or something. It's that real. It's a British version of a farting nun, isn't it? It's very Carry On. This film, in fact, it's got a lot of the car- cast from the Carry On films. Oh it? yeah, that's probably where I recognise half of them from. Yeah, um, I, I was trying to like place them, and yeah, you're probably right. So yeah, he's, he hides in a pram, um, and then we see him hiding uh, the microfilm with the formula for Lotus X inside the bones of a large dinosaur. Mm. For I was going to say the word I've written here for to describe the dinosaur, but then later on we find out that's not right. So, yes. So we'll just say miscellaneous large dinosaur is where he hides it. Dinosaur one. Dinosaur, yeah. <laughs> we need a name for the dinosaur. What should we call it? Greg. Yeah, Greg. Greg for dinosaur. So Greg's doing him a solid and holding yeah. on to it for him. Holding Cheers, on to his Greg. stash. <laughs> his uh, vajeg stash. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, um, Lord Southmere gets chased off by t- uh, our two Chinese guys, Quan uh, and Wan. Yeah. Well, and then he, like, he falls off the dinosaur as he's... Um, yes. Yeah. He falls off dinosaurs is hiding the microfilm, and this is where we bump into Nanny. And I think we only know her as Nanny. I'm going to look around DB if she was actually designated a surname. She was. Um, well, no, not a surname, but a first name. She's called Hetty. Oh, great. That makes things clear. But yeah, so yeah. basically, South Mere, Lord Southmere's old Nanny Hetty and her other friend, who is also a nanny, called <sighs> Summer. Uh, Emily. Another one. Emily, Emily yes. So Emily who, and Hetty. So I recognise Emily. So yes, Emily was um, the. She plays all of the main characters in the Carry On films. This is what I thought. So originally, I thought, didn't she play one of these suffragettes in Mary Poppins again, Mary Poppins? But she... I don't think that's right. No, I don't think she does. I think I think she's just in the Carry On films. I just that misplaced her. Yeah. With apologies to whoever it is in Mary Poppins. So when she's not a when she's not a nanny, she's a matron. So it's, you know, very typecast. Ooh, nanny! <laughs> I'm not doing California's. But yeah, so um, as he's sort of fainting from falling off the dinosaur, he's telling that the nanny about the microfilm, um, but he doesn't tell her who to take it to, she because he faints too early. And then uh, Quan and Juan uh, come in and say that they're both doctors, so they will yeah. take him to be sorted. Yeah, because you know, like Chinese doctors. And I had to write down this quote once. Um, once he's carried off, once Lord Southmere's carried off by the two of them. Um, Emily says to Hetty, I do hope everything will be all right. They're foreigners, you know. (laughs) So it's Um, not even just in the stereotypical way that they're portrayed. It's also in the dialogue as well. Yeah. And it's the way it's said. And I think it might actually be like the last line before we cut to the next scene. So it's very much the punchline of this scene is lol foreigners. Yeah. Brilliant. So uh, Nanny... Plans to come back at some other time to retrieve a microfilm, but for now she's got some kids to look after. Yeah. 
and from there we go to the reluctant dragon so this is the uh it's a restaurant uh which also seems to put on shows because we see a an audition in progress yeah as we enter um but it's basically the secret headquarters of we we never actually have official confirmation of what these evil chinese people are, are doing who, who they're working for apart from we get a few mentions about the, the leader of China. Yeah, towards the end we do. So I take it they're like covert government agents. Yeah, but we never sort of... Whoever wrote this script never did due diligence to find out what you would call a Chinese special agent or what department they would be working for because we never get any kind of... It's not like MI5 or anything like that. It's just we work in this restaurant for the Chinese government. I'm convinced whoever wrote this script, his entire research consisted of going to a Chinese takeaway. Yeah. I'm surprised they didn't make a chow mein joke in this bloody script. But no, then that's again, true. There aren't any actual food-based puns or anything, yeah, are there? Yeah, but then I'm thinking, was chow mein introduced over here by 1975? Probably not. I don't know. But yeah, so we've Maybe got... Let's the... phone again. Let's find out. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, we um we see that Lord Southmere is um locked basically in a little dungeon with a barred window. Um and then we get a little jokes that it's supposed to be the dressing room for the performers. Yeah. Um which was a crap joke really. It was oh, in this film never. <laughs> One thing I did quite like was, you know, with film we say we sh- you should be showing and not telling. Yeah. And as we're walking towards the dungeon we pass a doorway and see lots of chinese guys doing some martial arts training yeah so i thought that was good that it wasn't explicitly in the script in the dialogue that we see this happening but at the same time when you actually watch it none of these people have been given martial arts training of course, and yeah. they're just like flailing their arms about and going Whoa. so this is i think what happens when whoever wrote and whoever directed it when they watch 30 minutes of uh, Bruce Lee film yeah. and they think this is what people do which is just basically fling their limbs around and hope for the best this is clearly not it I mean they're pretty much just walking into like punching bags and stuff it's really shoddy when you actually stop to watch but... it is yeah so yeah they're um... Chow Mein update by the way I can't see any reference to when it was introduced in like the UK or, but there were references to it in like the 40s, so it may have been a bit too soon. Right, okay. But yeah, so we've got, um, you know, Quan and Wan are asking where the hidden formula for the Lotus yeah. X is. And um, at oh. this point, I, I've written that um, Lord Southmere pretends not to know, and then later on realise that he's actually got amnesia. Yeah, and then but as this it turns was... out, he doesn't really know anyway anything. Yeah. So it was kind of not well explained. No. Because, because if you're in that situation, and if you are a spy, you're not going to tell them where the Lotus X is. So I thought it was a bluff that he said he couldn't remember. Yeah. And then by the end of the film, there's this running gag of him always being knocked out. I thought he was a plain idiot, but it turns out he's he, an idiot. Yeah, it turns out he's an idiot, which I hadn't figured. Yeah. Um, And then we get another great um, racist line, but from the other side, where... One tells Quan to go and find the nanny. Mm. And Quan says, all English look alike. I can't tell what they are thinking because of their eyes. It's like self-awareness, but I don't think I can like, get away with it, to be fair. No, and this is the only line of its ilk, so it's kind of like, we'll, we'll take... 
we'll poke shit at um, Asian people for this whole film, but if we throw in this one line, it's it's acceptable now, isn't it? Oh, okay. Yeah, it's all fine. It's like saying, I'm not racist, my friend is black, that sort of... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then we get a montage of um, Quan um, going around London looking for the right nanny. Oh, and this God, this... this... Is... <sighs> This was the closest to like proper British, like comedy lols. Yeah, if this is just pratfall after pratfall after pratfall, yeah, falling in a pond, sitting on some knitting needles, that kind of thing, and it was quite funny and quite quick. So, but the way he's directed, though, it's like it doesn't make any sense of this guy. The way he talks to him, like he's literally two steps behind him. Yeah, making, he's a little bit making like a. Big pose, like, ooh. Yeah, no one will see me if I stand like a massive bear in the middle of yeah. this hallway. I think, uh, for me, I think the setup for these pratfalls needs to be... It's funnier if the setup is a bit more realistic. Yeah. So it was It was very, like, broad-stroke comedy, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, one thing that I noticed in this little section was there was um, a railway bridge over, a, like, a canal at one point, And I was, like, really... Like there were flowers all the way along the side of the bridge, and I was like, "Oh, well, that look like you never see flowers on the side of a bridge in London." And then I realised you can just see like graffiti behind the flowers. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, "Oh right, yep, yeah, serving a purpose." Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so then, from there we go to London Zoo, and there are animals everywhere, but except in a cage. It's weird. Weird. It's like a Doctor Doolittle at this point. There's like a kid walk, uh, a kid riding past on the top of a well, camel. I think. Well, I think it's because it's it's like that to establish yet another platform that comes in a minute. Yeah. In fact, well, we'll jump ahead and go back again. But fact that Juan, Quan, whichever one it is, he is stalking again. But he walks right past the bear cage with like no. Like gates or anything like that, and the yeah. bear just grabs him. And the bear can just reach him from inside yeah. the cage. And there's, I, I really like that shot because um, the shot there's a shot of a real bear in a cage, and it's like the tiniest little bear cub you've ever seen. Yeah. And then it cuts to a man in a suit attacking him, and this it's twice as big as the actual bear was. Hmm. I mean, if this is what you know zoos used to look like, it's a good thing that health and safety has gone mad because bloody hell. You know, you were saying how like the look of these films tends to be because they have the props already rather than it being period accurate. Yeah. You know um, how the original Little Shop of Horrors film was the entire script was built around the props they had. Yeah. This feels a bit like that. Like we've got British nannies, a dinosaur, and Chinese people. And none of these things particularly go together. And I'm I'm genuinely now wondering if they literally looked at the props that they had available to them on the day that they turned up at Pinewood Studios and just made a film it, around what they had. It really wouldn't surprise me. It genuinely it's, wouldn't. Yeah. And I've only thought of that right now. <laughs> um, we're also introduced in this scene to the uh, kid who the nun is looking after. His name's a Richard. Was that his name? Yeah. Because he's a dick. Yeah. He's a right dick. I, I, I can't I'm, remember I'm what hoping, I call... I'm hoping that's intentional. But yeah, he's a right smug little prick, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, we'll get onto it more later on, I think. Yeah, because we, um... we see him a lot more. But it's typical, like, American films um, depiction of a British school kid in that he never is out of his u- school uniform. Yeah. Even on his days off, he's still wearing his no. school uniform. <laughs> Now, I don't encourage violence against children, but I'd very much like to punch this kid in the balls. Yeah. 
he's yeah. Not as much in this scene, but later on he just turns into an absolute douche. Yeah. But um, no, later on, then I want to like put on a glove with spikes on and punch him repeatedly with balls. <laughs> oh, there's in this scene there was another little line that I thought was hilarious where um, the other nanny that's talking to Hetty. Yeah. Her little girl that she's nannying, she says, would you like to go with them, with the boys? And the kid goes, no, thank you. And it's clearly like a 50-year-old woman's voice dubbed over. (laughs) But it's just like, no, thank you, to this, like, five-year-old kid. And it just, I actually laughed out loud. And that was the only point in this entire film that I laughed out loud at. I should have dubbed it. No. (laughs) Yeah, if you could make a a Twitter video out of that, that would be brilliant. Oh, I'll get like two retweets. Not on brand, that's the problem. Yeah, two retweets and they'll both be me. (laughs) (laughs) And then I've just, I can't remember a scene here. I assume something else happened, but all I've got, oh yeah, now I remember. So yeah, we talked about the bear taking care of Quan and somehow he ends up stuffed into a freezer, like an ice cream freezer. And I must have fell asleep for a minute because I can't even remember how he got in there. Well, this this was a really bad setup where suddenly, you know, we've seen him stalking all these nannies on his own. Then suddenly there was an, an he had an accomplice that wheeled on the ice cream van, yeah, and uh, the yeah. ice cream truck. Sorry, and the idea was for him to then leap out, but he was locked in. Um, and then there's a comedy bit where they have to get him out of the yeah. And while this is happening, we get the old Chinese music cue. Yeah, we get a lot of sort of Chinese style music. I think it's full blown. Probably. I think yeah. it is. But we get a lot of that sort of chopstick style, sort of old and backing music is a bit yeah, like chopsticks. That. I see what we did there. <laughs> Lol. Uh-huh. <sighs> I feel like I'm going to sigh. More. I'm going to exhale more breath than I've ever exhaled. Maybe we just spend the next hour and a half just sighing. <laughs> that would be a good interpretation of this film, to be fair. Here we go. <sighs> Everyone's going to start thinking we're doing an ASMR video. <laughs> <laughs> and breathe in. And out. <sighs> and in. And out. One of my dinosaurs is missing. One of my dinosaurs is no, thank you. Oh, oh God! Right. Anyway, so uh, next we get a rich Texan with really bloody bad accent. It is just I can't tell. And this it... whole this whole sequence is pointless. And it I'm... doesn't. It doesn't carry the plot on. But yeah, we've got some rich. American oh, guy. Yeah, and he wants to buy a dinosaur. And all this scene where he establishes is that the dinosaur's not for sale. But no shit, it's a dinosaur. In the na- in the Natural History Museum, which is a non-for-profit organisation, even yeah. at this point. So, uh, yeah, it's it, it almost felt like in an original draft it was supposed to set up some kind of drama where, oh shit, the dinosaur's going to disappear because this guy's going to buy it. But then straight away, the guy who's showing him around just like, no, you can't buy it. No. That's it. <laughs> I mean, what, what do you think was going to happen? Like, one dinosaur, please. Like, don't worry like that. It's a dinosaur. Do you accept contactless? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, we see that the nannies are hiding in a whale um, in that's on display yeah. until the closing of the museum. And I had to I had to pause this 
shot because it looked so fucking weird and I couldn't put my finger on what it was. And it was um, typical sort of um, budget restraints from 1975 where the mouth of the whale was in full 3D mock-up and then the rest of the whale was um, just a 2D painting. Right. Um, And then there was like a really badly hashed out sort of really jagged edge where you could see where the two met. Oh dear. Um, And I don't think we actually see them physically we don't see him go out the whale now. No, so they'd obviously built this prop and then cut the scene where they actually escape it. So they could have had the whole thing as a 2D image. It end. was probably the only bit of a film where the editor's just gone, now that looks like shit, I'm cutting it out. Everything else stayed in, but yeah. I think he actually showed restraint here. So yeah, um, but what we haven't sort of mentioned is that at this point we've got like 14 nannies that have turned up. Hetty yeah. is, is basically rung around all the nannies in London um, who are all going to help her find... Uh, Lotus X on this dinosaur and so between them they divvy up the bones to search and they're all climbing around it like it's a children's playground okay so I don't understand so we established in the scene where Lord Southmere talks to Nanny like it was his nanny 25 years ago yeah and he's rambled all this bollocks about there being a film on top of a dinosaur yeah, and suddenly, like Nanny has made this is her life mission to go rescue this thing. It's so tenuous. It is, yeah. It's like surely they could build it of because this guy's an idiot anyway. He still needs a nanny. Surely that's works better than yeah. Twenty five years later, and now Nanny has got together her cult of other nannies to do this. Because apart from him saying, "Oh, it's of great, great national importance" or whatever, she's just sort of she just accepts it and. Yeah, she, she just puts doing... herself in real danger to try and get this microfilm, and she just seems to do it for kicks. I, I don't understand why they give a shit. Quite frankly, yeah, because I suppose a, a nanny is is a paid position as well, isn't it? Yeah. Like, it's not like they're a family member who you know she don't get paid for this shit, and she's she's walking out of a paid job to do it because yeah. she's got these. We see that she's got these two kids that she's. Basically leaving with the cook half the time, who we see a shot of the cook at one point who's like getting pissed off. Why don't you just like get the cook to do the job instead? Save money that way. Yeah. But I did like the bit, um, whilst they're divvying up bones and searching, uh, they do stop for a tea break. Yeah, they do. Which I thought was pretty funny. Yeah, oh, I was going to say as well, the uh, Great Escape knockoff music as they're escaping. Yeah, they've changed just two notes, it's enough, they can get sued for that. Yeah, and then um, the note that I made here was, the stereotypes arrive! <laughs> so um, all of the uh, the Chinese mob turn up, basically. Yeah. Um, and they kidnap... Oh, but but by this point, there's only three nannies left. The others have all gone. They have, yeah. So it's um, Nanny, Hetty, and Susan, I think her name is. Yeah, Hetty, Susan, and Emily. Yeah. So they go to the... They get kidnapped and taken back to the reluctant dragon, uh, where um, they argue over who's better at brewing tea, China or... Uh, Chinese or English. And as you, something you know about me, Chris, I've just spent eight months working in a tea shop. Yep. So I actually quite like this little this little uh, banter that they had. Um, it was the only bit of banter in the whole film that I did enjoy. Mm. But uh, So who does make the best tea then, Tim? Well, the, before we get on to who makes the best, they had this uh, argument because um, Juan says that it was the Chinese that invented tea and Emily's like, what are you talking about? It was the British. 
Um, and I can reveal that um, Juan was actually the one who was correct. Yeah. Uh, as I'm sure everybody knows. This is this is how much uh, I learnt when I worked in a tea shop. The uh, the official word for the tea plant is Camellia sinensis. And there's the end of my entire knowledge of tea. It's a spell in Harry Potter, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, sounds like it. But um, But it was typical um, Britishness that, like, um, they asked China for tea. China said no. So um, British expeditions just stole some tea plants and grew them in India instead. That sounds like us to a tea. Yeah, so we literally... Yeah, oh, very good. Thank you. Very good. Thank you. But, um, yeah, so that's my a little insight for you. Mm. I'm, I'm sure our listeners are really bothered. If, if that was Tim's Tea Corner... <laughs> At the same time in a fortnight. Um, and the main reason I left that job was because I realised I really don't give a shit about tea. Yeah. So um, I can't much, tell you anymore. You much prefer coffee. so I do actually now. It's weird. I, I'm, every job I've had, my preferences have changed from tea to coffee to tea to coffee. And Well, stop working in tea and coffee rooms then. Yeah. <sighs> right. I'm talking some really boring shit right now. I do apologise. Well, it's either that or the film. Just consider that for yeah, a minute. You, actually, yeah, do you want... Shall we just talk about my entire employment history? Okay, then. I feel that would be better than uh, the film. <laughs> <laughs> like a job interview. So, it says here you were unemployed for five months. What did you do at that time? Well, technically, I have been unemployed for just over six months, haven't I? Is it six months? Yeah. Yes, because that's why I've moved back to Grimsby is... Uh, for the listeners out there to uh, help with my uh, disabled sister's care. So I am no longer in employment, technically. Mm. If the tax man asks. <laughs> Although it, it, it does say like these uh, official government fig- figures, if you worked an hour a week, that counts as full-time work, apparently. Really? Yeah, it does. <sighs> That's why employment figures are all-time low. Fuck off, because... Tory government. Yeah. Bastards. Anyway, speaking of Tories, Nan is. <laughs> yes. So, um, Nan reveals that uh, Juan used to have. Well, she used to know Juan. Well, and her nanny. Yeah. And uh, they had a nickname for him. Can you remember what it was? Yeah, P- Panda Nose. Oh, God. Here we go again. Because pandas are a Chinese thing, aren't they, Chris? Yes. Yeah. We didn't even talk about a reference earlier on to. Uh, Torture using bamboo shoots. Oh yeah, sticking bamboo under the fingernails yeah. and stuff. Yeah, because the it's a thing that happened twice. This that's what pissed me off about that joke or sort of joke was Lord Southmere asks if they're going to torture him with um, bamboo under the fingernails. To which one basically says, "No, we're not doing torture. We're not that kind of people anymore." And then Quan a few minutes later then suggests that they do do. Um, bamboo torture mm. but it's not like you know the classic joke for that would be Quan coming into the scene after that first bit and then suggesting they do it so that's funny because he didn't hear the first bit yeah. but he's in the room the whole time and then he's, he says it as if like it's a bright idea but we've mm. already talked about it so it was ah, the Theresa May approach I am yeah. dating this podcast so badly <laughs> Well, when our listeners are listening to this through like a, a tin can on a bit of string because Brexit's completely fucked everyone over, then yeah. uh, we'll be able to look back fondly on yeah. when we had recording equipment and a laptop. 
Give us five stars on your smoke signals. <laughs> or send us your bits of tin. Thanks to vape culture, we probably could start smoke signals for this podcast. I'd love that. <laughs> Dave, if you're listening. Yeah. Hit us up. <clears throat> anyway, where were we? So, they're sent... Oh, they uh, go find... Oh, well, so they're taken to where Lord Southmere is, which is yeah. back in this basement thing with everyone doing their early by Jackie Chan impression. Yeah. And uh, Juan and Quan trick the three nannies into the jail itself. Yep. And the way they get out is... Young is... nanny kind of tries to get one of the henchmen to impress her, doesn't, it? Yeah. doesn't she? Uh, and this is like the big burly henchman that appears quite often uh, in this film uh, onwards. And he impresses her by punching his way through the wall. <laughs> yeah. Which is quite a funny idea. Yeah, I thought this was quite yeah. well done. It, it yeah. was quite well done. But then, so they have this like great bit, and then we go. I know. How about we continue the joke with two other people yeah. doing? Two other people turn up and then do the other wall, do, don't they? Do karate chops to random bricks on the other side of the room, just like oh god, okay. So they do. They do escape. Then in this sequence, Lord Southmere gets hit on the head with a brick and then falls unconscious. So. Um, Again, not very well signposted in this point, but he doesn't escape with the others. No. Which I didn't realise until a later scene where he's still in the cell. <laughs> no, I didn't either, in all fairness. <laughs> yeah, I thought they all escaped back home. And uh, back home, all we can really say is that Richard, our Tory boy... Our little dick. Yeah, he has a snake. He had a snake, he had a snake at the zoo as well. He did, yeah. But, I, but this is another thing of poor sort of signalling of the plot and things. Like, the first scene where we see that he has a pet snake is whilst he's holding it at the zoo. So I thought it belonged to the zoo. I did, yeah. Because so it... then it, when it turns up in later scenes, I'm like, he's stolen that fucking snake from the zoo. Is it established he stole it or is it actually his? Because... I think it's just his snake. I think he just took his pet snake to the zoo. Because the nanny knows about it, doesn't she? Yeah. And it's not like she would have let him steal a snake. Everything about this film pisses me off. Like, yeah. all the decisions that were made. But yeah, so we we hear the um, the plan for the nannies is that they're going to steal the dinosaur, basically. Yeah. And um, the boys overhear the plan. So oh, they... this is the party scene. Yes. Meanwhile, on the set of Victoria. Yeah, it was a bit, wasn't it? Hi, Rob. <laughs> Hi, Rob. Uh, yeah, I, again, I had to write down another classic line, which was um, Hetty is trying to get Richard to participate with the other kids and play with them. And he's got his head in a book and he's mm. basically saying he doesn't want to play. And the excuse he gives is Mozart already composed four symphonies by the time he was my age. And Hetty's response is, I don't care what foreign kids get up to. I don't know who's worse for this situation. <laughs> yeah, they're both pricks, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, massive, massive bellends. Yeah, just, I mean, Nanny is sort of likable in a way, apart from, well, she's an old lady, so casual racism is part of the course, isn't it? Yeah, Nanny's got that kind of thing where she's an old person that's um, just pragmatically getting shit done. Yeah. And I think that Um, makes you want to like her because you see her being proactive to the plot and uh, driving things forward. Yeah. But she doesn't really have any personality other than that. Not really. I'm going to pull the Mary Poppins card again. I think they've just tried to. 
write mm. Mary Poppins fan fiction. They've written Mary Poppins, but without Mary Poppins in it. Yeah, with like none of a charm. I basically go, but what if she was a bit of a zany action star instead? Yeah, and it doesn't work. No, I mean the performance itself is fine, but it's not a very likable. Well, say none of the characters are very that likable. No, I think. In in the case of like the nannies, they're just bland. There's nothing to them really. Yeah. Apart from we got Susan, who seems to be turned on by everything. But apart from that, <laughs> it feels very much like a Carry On film. In that the Carry On series, you have your actors that are basically playing stock characters, and they play the same characters in every film that they're in, basically. But the the, the setting changes. Yeah. Um, and. So as an audience, you know what you're expecting. But this film feels like like it's part of a bigger like series of films. Mm. Um, the, the one of our dinosaurs is missing universe. Yeah, but it's not. It's just one film. But yeah. it feels like it's we. Sh- it feels like the audience should go in knowing. Oh, there's the guy that plays the racist other. You know, other yeah. nationality. There's the guy who's really posh. There's the woman that gets shit done. There's the woman that's funny. There's the woman that's randy. There's the little prick of a child. Yeah. And it feels like we should know all of these, but we don't. Yeah. So what you're saying is this is the Avengers of the day. Oh, fucking... You know what? No. <laughs> Just... <laughs> oh, I fucking hate this film, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we... um From there... Um, the the girlies go to spy on uh, the reluctant dragon mm. from the Italian coffee shop across the road. Yeah. Um, and basically, as soon as they arrive, they witness all of the Chinese uh, team leaving all in one go. Yeah, because the entire population of China moves in one. It's like fish swimming downstream. As as if fluid, as if yeah. water running down a stream. Yeah. They all just leave. One billion of them all at once. It's beautiful in a way. Yeah, so uh, Hetty's plan is to go in and have a snoop around, try and find what's-his-face. Yeah, and uh, we've got Dickhead and his friend? Brother? Friend or brother, you never really find no. out. But they, they follow her in. Yeah, and it's a dark creepy basement oh i think richard comes up line with let's get of here it's starting to scare my snake <laughs> yeah no, no chance pal it's an inchworm at most but it's um th- this room that they're in it's full of like odd artifacts which are obviously supposed to be like chinesey sort of mystical things and they're just bullshit they're i've got just... a, i've got a theory about this you know what you said earlier on about how we just made a film based on what props i've got yeah this is literally just a big room full of props this is the prop room this is actually the prop room yeah um because it's just a brick walled room there's nothing in it apart from the weird stuff and there's things like a skull in a bird cage there's loads of masks on the wall there's like a punch and judy puppet hanging from the ceiling so none of these things even read as oriental even if they were trying to be stereotypically oriental they're not i think they just had this uh, so the characters and everyone else could have figured out what the plot was yeah, I, I think I've I think I've hit the nail on the head with this little shop of horrors analogy. It I really must have. Be, yeah, um, yeah. So from in here, um, we find yeah. So we get go back to the cell and find out Southmere's um, memory is returned, and he remembers where the microfilm is stashed. So um, everybody's on the neck. Yeah. So everybody runs back to the museum, um, and the kids 
chat to Southmore because they find him after the nannies have left. Um, and he's scared by the pet snake and knocks himself out. Yeah. And it was a, quite a long scene, which was completely... The whole point of the scene was to get to the gag of him falling over and knocking himself out. And I felt like it was pointless again. I mean, if you want to try and go for like a repetitive gag, surely we'll have another brick fall on him. Yeah, we could have had a brick fall on him. Yeah. We could have incorporated it into the nanny scene. It just slows down the pace because you've got the nannies going, yeah, let's go. And then you get this dialogue that leads nowhere. I think they felt the need to have Richard in a couple more scenes than what he's in. Maybe. Because he's in, what, five or six scenes, ultimately? Yeah. Too many, of course. He's just... He's really precocious, isn't he? He's very yeah. smarmy. He's one of these kids that's trying too hard with his acting. Yes. So it comes across as super smug, sickly, and vom- I want to vomit every time I see him. I'm really smart. Yeah, that's the other thing, is he thinks he's dead clever. Yeah. You're um, not, you little shit. Yeah. And then... Um, Fucking hate you. What a twat. But then we find out that the Chinese's plan... Um, is that they're going to um, swap some crates of soy sauce uh, for the dinosaur. By They slap some um, Natural History Museum stickers on the crates and then they're going to take them to the museum. I'm so glad they didn't make a crack about prawn crackers as well or something, because yeah. fucking hell. How lazy can because, you get? Because Chinese people like soy sauce, don't they? Yeah, so. it's just... I mean, it, it makes sense in the fact that they own a restaurant and all of that, but it's still just a bit shonky. Yeah. Um, in fact, like it's a, a restaurant as well. What's that? It's, in fact, it's just like a restaurant that they own. because uh, That's the thing, isn't it? it? It makes sense because they own a restaurant, but then they only own a restaurant because, again, that's a racist thing for Chinese people to... Okay, so if Wan and Quan work for the Chinese government, surely they would have kicked them out with... A nice penthouse or something. That's the thing, isn't it? Yeah, that's why I feel like I can never. You can never tell if they're just working independently hmm. or if they're working for a, some arm of government or what, because they just don't have any resources. Well, they make references but, to calling back to Peking. I reckon they're directly communicating with the king. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah they they are well, talking to the king, but with no resources given to them. No, it's <sighs> yeah, yeah, odd. Um, yeah, so they've got all this soy sauce, and then we get um, they get to the back gates of the museum, and we get all this bureaucratic bullshittery, mm. where they're sort of saying, "Oh, well, we've come for the dinosaur. We've brought all of these, and blah 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 blah." And everyone's like, "Oh no, you can't come in." Oh. I mean, like one of the the guy at yeah, like the pens, uh, like the security house, like goes in to see who's in charge. It's those Oriental blokes. Yeah, and the plan is kind of almost almost fails straight away because the Chinese um, mob kind of forgets the, how untrusting English people are of Chinese people. Apparently, yeah. like they're almost stopped as soon as they get there. Like mm. it seems like a very odd plan, but from all the, uh, there's things that are said, and then eventually it's decided that they can get get in and sort it and. Then they st- try to steal the dinosaur. Well, like they scare off the uh, guy in charge with a big hench. One is not really hench. Oh, he, yeah, he, that's he, it. just tall and stocky, just runs him off. Yeah. He looks like uh, Lurch. He does a bit, but with yeah. a with uh, squinty eyes yeah, and a moustache. It's Lurch, but he squints his eyes, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so they finally get the, the entire dinosaur in one piece on the back of the lorry. How? I don't know. <laughs> but I did... 
the, there was a positive comment I had to make here, which was that I thought that they, for the first time, the music was very apt and built a sense of drama because they had quite a booming sort of still quite racist and sort of Asian inspired music, mm. but it felt very grand as this giant dinosaur was getting onto like, the back of the like, lorry. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I'm gonna have to edit that out, aren't I? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Oh dear. As a student for dinosaurs, where we get our first bit of kung fu. Yeah. You know, uh, as demonstrated by somebody, like I said, who has watched 20 minutes of a Bruce Lee film that one time while they were probably stoned. Yeah, so you get sort of the police versus the uh, Chinese yep. mob. Um, and out come the props. Yeah, so, so they they made apt use of the scenario, which was, we are in the Natural History Museum, let's throw some dead animals at people. Yeah. <laughs> let's throw a crocodile and a bear. And people falling over the dinosaur's and tail and stuff. Yeah, and brooms. You know, that prehistoric yeah. animal. <laughs> so, to be fair, it wasn't a terrible action sequence, but you know, hmm. and then they somehow load this massive dinosaur, like considering the size of it, onto. How do you? It like literally said like Chinese. It says Chinese laundry on it. Chinese doesn't it? laundry, yeah, yeah. Um, and it was a steam-powered truck, which I didn't know was a thing, but I thought was pretty cool. Um, so it. Were vehicles steam-powered? Oh, no, of course it was, because it was uh, between the two world wars. Yeah, Yeah. fine. So it was a steam-powered truck, so we learn later on you have to shovel coal into it. So I I quite like that, because I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, Yeah, that's perfectly fine. It's about time you actually made reference to the time period, because, as we said before, it could have been been actually 1975, the way things were going on here. So we... In all the kerfuffle, the three nannies managed to steal the van with the dinosaur on it. Yep. And we get a really comical uh, car chase through London as the uh, Chinese mob are chasing them. Am I going mad or out of all the films set in the real world that we've reviewed so far, every single one of them has had a car chase? Every single one has had a car chase. And to be fair to this film, I thought this was the best one because it is batshit bonkers what happens in this car chase um i didn't enjoy it but uh out of the three yeah i'd say you're right there's more happening let's say i feel like it went on for way too long though do you reckon yeah oh fair enough i didn't i I thought thought, okay now it's gonna end now and no it's still going on okay what i thought was there's it's like little vignettes, isn't it? There's like the mm. the car arrives in a place, a comedy thing happens, and then they carry on. And yeah. it gets so ridiculous for me. Like the comedy ske- sketches just keep going for so many mm. that I actually endeared to it. Because every time you think it's going to stop, it does something else that's ridiculous. It's the sideshow Bob stepping onto the egg sort of thing. Yeah, at, kind at, of. At three, it's funny. At six, you're thinking, what the fuck? At nine, it's funny again. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, things that happen in this car chase, um, we get, uh, there's, it's a foggy night, so basically the, the dinosaur's head sticking out of the fog, basically, at some points, and then others it's not. It's it's kind of decides... This what... is weird, because the, uh, the Chinese crew lose them 
because the fog suddenly gets so thick that when he has to like literally pop his head up above clouds to see where he's going, yeah, you'd suffocate if a fog was that thick. Well, London fog is actually was notoriously bad at that time, and because it's, I Lond- thought that was the nineteen fifties. Um, it got to its worst in the fifties, but the industrial from the industrial revolution till the fifties. That I mean, that that's when the term smog was created for the London fog because it was so thick but it yeah it was it was very common so i i didn't mind that element i didn't mind that gag because it was apt for the time and the place mm. but yeah it it was if i would look up some pictures actually afterwards of of the london smog and how ridiculous it was how about i do it right now <laughs> so like, we'll just we'll just take a little break yeah so like this is perfect content for our audio podcast so London smog, show like say nineteen thirties. Oh yeah, London fog in nineteen thirties. Okay, yeah, it wasn't it, obviously it was comically thick. It was a proper pea super. It was, yeah. But yeah, so things that happen, as you say, we've got people that literally can't see. Yeah, um, and we've got quite a few gags of people seeing the dinosaur riding on the back of a vehicle. Yeah, falling over bins. One man looks at the dinosaur and the ice cream he's holding instantly explodes, which I thought was <laughs> just mwah, beautiful. <laughs> yeah, we also get a bit where it's like knocking on the back of a car. Yeah, so the, head, the guy's the... about to flip out and turns out like, oh, dinosaur! Because a dinosaur. Um, Again, as I mentioned at the beginning, we get a brilliant, well, I say brilliant, a Scottish stereotype. So these two drunken Scotsmen stumble out of a pub, see the dinosaur's head sticking out of the fog and assume it's Nessie. And have a little bit of a too long dialogue about why is Nessie in London. And it's like, just say our Nessie and we'll carry on. But yeah, it was. So, as I said, we've got. We're racist towards everyone in this film. The American earlier was really stereotypical. The British people are idiots. Scottish people are drunk and Chinese people go, go ha! So you've, you've got the whole The whole collection. Spectrum. Yeah. Um, oh, and then we go back to the zoo for a oh quick God. shot where um, <laughs> where the zookeepers are saying that they, they're struggling to find a love interest for the giraffe who then it sees the dinosaur and gets dead horny. Can you imagine that? <laughs> What's he going to do? Let you fuck its bones to dust? Yeah, it's going to bone it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Lol. Oh, oh, God. Actually, so, Chris, at this point, have we actually mentioned out loud that this dinosaur is a fossilised dinosaur of bones? Yes. We did say that out uh, loud, I, I think we? I think we have said it. It's not... It's uh, not a replica of a full dinosaur. It's just some bones. Yeah, it, it's not... Well, I mentioned it on the TV show Dinosaurs. It's not one of them, no. like, waving at everyone <laughs> and making, like, wisecrack comments. It's literally just a which, skeleton. Which, again, would have made a better film. Yeah. But, yeah, so we... I won't go into the whole list, but we get all sorts of comedy moments like that. And, as I say, there's so many, I, af- one after the other, that I've eventually I, found it funny that we were still on this car yeah. chase. But then it goes to New Scotland Yard, where they're talking, like, the dinosaur goes past the window, and then somehow they end up on a race course. Yeah, they end up in Ascot, yeah. racing round. Um, there's... <laughs> At this point, I paused the film to go to the loo, and I was thinking, you know... We're, we're wrapping up the film at this point. We're yeah. on the car chase. We're we're nearly done. And when I came back and looked at the screen, we still had thirty minutes of film yep. left. Uh, uh, when we're just now introducing characters at Scotland Yard, and I'm thinking, bloody Nora, that like 
this is your perfect chance to get out of this film. Which is quite funny because uh, I uh, stopped at this point because I watched everything uh, now going forward. I watched just before I came here tonight. So so this was the point you had uh, to I've, call it a night. Yeah, you? because I was like, okay, that's enough. Because somehow the dinosaur ends up on a train as well. And it's like, yeah, what is going on? I'm just too tired to understand what the <laughs> fuck for doing on so yeah we see the, the the final bit of the section is um the chinese mob finally catch up with the dinosaur and then it turns out that the dinosaur's truck has been loaded onto a train and is driving off so they yeah. can't do anything to follow it so here's a question where have a nanny's taking it well they at this point there is a bit of dialogue where they actually say that they have no idea where they're gonna yeah put it. so it's like they hadn't so, thought that far ahead so what is the plan but this then there's just... There was, a, there was a brilliant bit of dialogue again. The le- level crossing operator comes out of his little hut to t- see if the Chinese um, mob are okay. And Juan asks him, where am I? And his reply is, England. <laughs> as if like... Uh. <laughs> as if they've literally just turned up in the middle of England not knowing where they are. At least he answered it normally instead of doing that old British thing to foreigners. You're in England! <laughs> You are in London town. So fuck this film, Chris. Oh god, there's still like another twenty-five minutes left here. As yeah, well. and I think this was the and, issue I had with it as a kid was that it felt like this film went on forever, and it's only an hour and a half. Yeah, and it it really does feel like it wants to wrap. It should wrap up at this point, and then they just carry on. The next bit feels like they've had to tack something else on. So we get the. Really prolonged scene of the curator coming back from his holiday, wanting to tell everyone about his discovery of Yugoslavian butterflies. Yeah. Well, not listening to the fact that his dinosaur has gone missing. Yeah. Although, just a, another thing, the dinosaur hasn't gone missing as far as we're concerned. This film should be called One of Our Dinosaurs Has Been Taken. One of Our Dinosaurs Has Gone on Holiday. Yeah. Gone on a nice jaunt. Yeah. Not, our, not quite as clickbaity, is it? One of our dinosaurs is on a train. One of our dinosaurs is not in the museum, but we know exactly where it is. Mm. Yeah, so a reporter is asking him... Where's the dinosaur Where's the dinosaur? Gone? And he's like, oh, preposterous, of course it's still in the museum. Butterflies, butterflies, butterflies. And then the Home Secretary rings, because uh, apparently it's a national emergency yeah. um, that the dinosaur is missing. Um, and again, like, the curator is trying to tell him about his butterflies yeah because apparently this whole episode has made britain an embarrassment because you know dinosaurs dinosaurs mean dinosaurs now i'm now i'm doubly depressed chris because we're still talking about this film and now i'm thinking about the state of our country right now (laughs) let me just check my phone are we fucked oh yeah we are okay the uh one thing i noticed after this scene so we were on about how early on it felt like the film was being played in 1.5 times speed. Yep. It's like literally after the scene with the uh, Britons and Embarrassment that they finally get back to normal speed again. Yeah, I think it worked for things like the um, the car chase and stuff because it did make mm. the film sort of feel more energetic and yeah. it definitely needed it. But then like to have gone from that to then suddenly go back to like normal speed, it was yeah. just too much. If, if anything, we should have like been speeding up faster and faster as the film goes along, so it feels yeah. uh, like it's exciting and kinetic. But yeah, yeah, we just slow it right down and yeah. <sighs> then we get the the nannies hide the dino in a hedge, 
Great um, plan. I'm going to try and speed through this last... <laughs> 1.5 speed. Yeah. Go! <laughs> then um, we go to Scotland Yard where forensics have been exploring the museum and they come to the conclusion that the dinosaur was stolen by a crack team of old ladies and Asians. <laughs> um, but they can't figure out what the motive is. And, I mean, I don't know what the fucking motive is at this point. I'm no, I don't. No. I've completely forgotten why they were even bothering with this dinosaur. We've had, like, three scenes of people talking. I was for policeman in the chair falling asleep. <laughs> yeah. So then from there we go back to the reluctant dragon, where we've got um, Lord Southmere, who has finally remembered um, who uh, what had happened. And it turns out that... They've this whole film. They've had the wrong dinosaur because there were two dinosaurs in the museum, and it wasn't Greg. It was Barry that they needed. So one of our dinosaurs is missing, but that's okay. There's a second dinosaur. Is yes. that the name of the film? The dinosaur that is unimportant to the plot is um, currently occupied, preoccupied, but the other one is mm. not. And also, it's not a dinosaur. It's just some fossilized bones. Of a dinosaur, um, end of title. And then Quan double crosses one and says that he's now in charge of the London office or whatever it is. Uh, but again, I've I've put that it's the London office, but I don't know what it's the London office of. He doesn't say the London office. He basically just says that he's in charge now. Mm. So I don't know what they're in charge of. So Quan is now the leader. Then we go back to Smug Prick's house, the little kid dickhead who wants to go with nanny back to the museum um, but nanny says no so he blackmails her to cadger lift to go and be part of the final scene he's such a cunt yeah this woman i think this is like i think the idea behind it is supposed to be like this wisecracking kid yeah oh yeah he's sure got him out he's just he, he seriously in this scene he comes across as a complete what's the opposite of badass a good nipple. <laughs> yeah, he comes across as a nipple. What a fucking nipple. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Hetty's um, reason for doing all of this for Lord Southmere is it because it reminds her of a time when she actually had a, was nannying a kid that she liked. Yeah. Maybe that's why she goes to all the trouble because she, <laughs> she clearly hates this little kid. Yeah. Um, yeah, so um, the plan for the nannies is that they're going to go to the Reluctant Dragon and have a meal and then sort of break out Lord Southmere from there. Um, who who had the microfilm at this point? The microfilm is in possession of uh, Juan and Juan. So they've got... Yeah, they get it from the thing. Because there's a subplot here where Juan is going to look at the contents of Lower Sex on Projector but Quan shows up and says, "No, you're forbidden to do it." I've had word from Pekin. That's right. Uh, we, um, uh, unless you're in charge, you're not authorised to look at it. And it turns out Quan has been relieved of his duties for being really bungling this job up. And Quan yeah. is now the new head minister of I don't know bollocks. Yeah, it's really telling that all these films that we've watched, I could. There are really important plot points that I just cannot remember when we come to recording. Yeah. And we've always had a notebook in our hand when we've watched them. We do. We like, I've got eight pages of notes. You've, yeah. you've actually made notes this time. Yeah, I, I remember. To t- I, w- I was really careful to make sure I oh, made God. detailed notes this time. I, I, I thought last night I really can't be bothered, but if I don't make notes, I'm going to show for someone it's going to be a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, the, we. I only watched it last night, and I still don't remember it. No. But yeah, so... 
the plan is that they're going to go to the restaurant. Um, so they have <laughs> they have to ask for a table of twelve, table for twelve, because all of the nannies t- show up that haven't been seen since the first few scenes, um, <laughs> and then. We have a scene in the back room between Southmere and the two, uh, Le- uh, between Quan and Juan. And you think that there's going to be some kind of Ocean's Eleven style complicated and convoluted plan to escape Lord Southmere. And halfway through them talking, um, Hetty just walks in and just grabs him and walks out again. <laughs> Thank you, I'll just take him with me. <laughs> Goodbye. It's just like, what? Just a pure absurdity of it. Almost makes it work. It does. Like you, you're expecting like a big payoff, and then she just wanders in and it's, takes it. I think it'd be even better if like you just grabbed him by the ear, like out you go, go, go. Out. <laughs> yeah, and then we have uh, the last sort of action scene where again we've got police and nannies and martial artists, yeah. all fighting, and the snake gets introduced. It crawls up someone's leg, yeah, and. But I quite liked because um, obviously Wan's no longer the leader and doesn't have that much um, reason to fight. They just have um, Lord him and Lord Southmere just sit at the side drinking plum wine whilst they watch everyone and have a little bit of a sort of a little conversation between each other. And I thought that was quite funny. I yeah. quite liked that again because at, at that point, you know, the only thing, the only reason he's after him is because of Lotus X, and he doesn't have to get him anymore. No, so. no. So he's just like sat there having a drink. So that's all right. I mean. I'm not sure if it warrants the him sort of being friendly now because I don't know he's a bit flimsy. Yeah, considering considering the other guy hasn't really been built up no. to be this big evil man, and he doesn't even do anything. Just... I, I thought it was one of the few sort of nice character elements for the film. Yeah, sort of fleshed them out a little bit. Um, and yeah, and then the police are chasing the dino through the streets, and it crashes into the restaurant, um, and then that sort of stops the fight. And then we have uh, the the big reveal of what what is Lotus X. We finally find out. So it goes up on the screen, and it turns out to be a recipe for wonton soup. After all that, and after all, he's telling everybody that he's not a spy. It turns out Lord Southmere isn't a spy. He's just an entrepreneur that wanted this soup that he really liked. Yeah, he's just a chef. <laughs> yeah. Every part of this film was for nothing, basically. Yeah, basically. And then we go back, final scene, to the old twat. Of... <laughs> <laughs> uh, old, old, Lord Oldmere. Yeah, and he's, he's sipping some wonton soup in his chair. And rep- uh, this is the book ending of the narrative. Yeah. Um, and he basically reveals that one has... Um, become a part of his business to as a, the brand spokesperson for this wonton soup and we see a really cringeworthy advert on, yeah. playing on his TV of one in a supermarket by which time he's he's old and wrinkly and he's a glorified dolmio puppet yeah this is this is a, a genuine argument i've been making for years which is the last bastion of acceptable racism is food advertising <laughs> it really is because Recent Don Mio adverts in, in the UK, for listeners abroad, I don't know if it's the same in your country, but we have these puppets yeah. that advertise Don Mio pasta sauces. In the most recent ones, um, there's references to the Mafia, yeah. because they're carrying uh, violin cases, which when they open up, it turns out there's grind- a big pepper grinder in there. Yeah. But this is literally the last place where it's acceptable to be racist is food advertising. And I'm sh- I could think of more examples, but the, you see the the 
advert that plays would probably still be acceptable on British TV it, today. It would be, yeah, I agree with that. Does my head in. Why is it that when we're looking for authenticity in our food, we just do stereotypes? Because we I feel want... like we're over it now. Yeah, I, th- I think we want food to taste a certain way, a stereotypical taste to it. Therefore, you go to the stereotypes of its character yeah, as well. I suppose. Perhaps. I'm trying to think of any more examples, but there's plenty. Yeah, I'm... I don't know why I'm just thinking about the uh, bunny for the caramel adverts back in the day. Does she make you randy? Yes. Her and Lola Bunny in a threesome. Why do where have all the Cadbury's mascots gone? Apart from Cadbury World, they're still at Cadbury World. I think this is to do with the ban on advertising junk to children. Yeah, uh, that's why they have to be Coco the monkey now has to be really like evasive about what he's advertising. <laughs> We're on to you, Coco, you bastard, making our kids obese. Anyway. We're at, we're finally at the end of this film. We are, yes. So one of our dinosaurs was missing, but it has been returned. It is now stuck in a Chinese restaurant. Well, but, I was going to say, do we ever see it get back to the museum? I don't think we nope. do. One of our dinosaurs remains missing. One that of... is the sequel. <laughs> so, final thoughts, Christopher. You can go first since you picked this monstrosity. Yeah, and I'm sorry. This, <laughs> uh, this was a terrible... Terrible film. Firstly, the thing with comedy, most comedy decays quite badly yeah. and quite quickly. Yeah. So all these Chinese stereotypes were probably acceptable. Well, they were acceptable yeah, back they in the 70s. Were, yeah. You know, 40, 50 years later, we wouldn't hack it. But the jokes just uh, feel lazy in that regard. My main issue with this film, understanding, you know, what one about historical context, I understand that. Yeah. I can't believe that Disney have attached their name to a film so badly made. It is very poor. Yeah. Just everything about it, it doesn't, if it feels like someone doing a student film in a lot of regards. If, if a student had a budget and wanted to do something wacky, I reckon they'd come out with something like this because... It's just bad. Yeah. Um, saying about the quality of this film, um, it's very much in the sort of the made during the dark days for Disney, mm. which was um, Walt Disney died in the sixties. So in by seventy five, they were still struggling to know what the brand is without him because he had such a big mm. part in the creative process. I don't think the brand was defiling his corpse. So bloody hell. No. It's just, yeah, the, the the main reason I wanted to do this podcast was so that I could watch all of these films to genuinely find out if any of them were any good because they just have such a reputation for all being so shoddy. And I feel like this is absolutely the worst example yeah. of poor quality filmmaking that we've seen so far. Yeah. Uh, well, wait a minute. I'm one out of four for decent films. What are you on? As in ones that I would recommend? Yeah. Um... I think I would recommend... I know you didn't like it, but I think I would recommend The Black Hole just for its wackiness at the end. I think that's the only one that I would recommend. It has a kish value, yeah. I'd say so. Were you thinking of Escape to Witch Mountain? Yes, I was, yeah. I I did actually quite enjoy that. I didn't hate Witch Mountain, but yeah. This one... This film, I felt, had more... It should have been better. Yeah. the, The film title, surely it wrote itself, and yet somehow they completely fucked the job up. Yeah. But... Um, I mean, this was actually, believe it or not, adapted from a novel. 
Really? Called The Great Dinosaur Robbery, but that was apparently an ad- more adult-orientated novel, and the authors were very annoyed that Disney uh, right. kiddified it. Well, maybe that's why it just doesn't work, if they've had to cut a lot of it out. Yeah. If it's an adult novel or a more mature novel, I bet it was full-on racist with some of its stuff in ways that this film wasn't. Yeah. But, I think, what's his name? The author, uh, Guyan Smith, I think his name is. Right. Like, wrote really terrible novels. Uh, have you ever seen Garth Marenghi's Dark Place? Yes. Yeah, it, a lot of the stuff on there is based on this guy's novels. So he's one of these people that, if he was alive today, would release self-publish his books through the Amazon marketplace. Yes. He might <laughs> still be alive thinking about it. Oh yeah, but, worth, yeah worth like, a look. like he literally like wrote like five or six books, uh, series about killer crabs, like one just called Crabs, and like just the descriptions in there. Well, why the fuck didn't Disney make that instead? <laughs> I would have watched that. Well, you know, like in Garth and Rengi, where it's like like really disrespectful women and all that lot. It's just that, but in novel form. It's yeah, it's uh, of its time again, shall we say? But that's what I imagine the Great Dinosaur Robbery is all about. Because if they wanted. If this was an an adult book called The Great Dinosaur Robbery, I imagine. Yeah, it just if you were able to take the racism out of this film, there are some entertaining moments. For me, mainly the the car chase. Yeah. But it's so overshadowed by all of the problematic elements. This film, mm. and as we've said at the beginning, um, it really shouldn't be available just without some kind of context given, especially for children, especially for a streaming app where it's just so readily available. I feel like it should be more of an archival thing now. And it's just ridiculous that it's out there so easily available. Mm. I can't recommend it. I'm very reluctant to not even give it a gem rating either. Oh, Controversially. I mean, maybe Uh, I do just to... We've got to for continuity. We have to, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. So... Are you starting with your gems? Yeah. You remember in episode one how I told you off I wanted to give a computer or <laughs> tele shoes one? Yeah. This is why. It would have been a five, but racism knocks four off and it's a one. Fair enough. Here we go. There's the first our first one on the gem meter. Yeah. Shall I give my rating? Yeah. One. Brilliant. Yeah. We're done. So, where can people find you on the internet if they want to slag you off for uh, picking this film? Pick this film, you can. Fi- or slagging you off for dissing their favourite film. You never know. Oh, great! If I attract those sorts of people, Oof. look. If we if we end up leaving, there's going to be a lot of people that feel like they can watch this kind of shit again, yeah. and they're going to hate us. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, you can find me on Twitter at kidswol. That's S W O L. Or listen to my other podcast on the We Made This Network, uh, which is Cinemarchery, uh, com for all the details. By the way, I really enjoyed your little plug for uh, this podcast on yeah. Cinemarchery this week. Oh, thank you very Sh- much. Shows how far ahead you were uh, recording at the time. Uh, that was January we recorded. That. I'm like, I was going to say like January 6th or something. Yeah, because it's, uh, it's still a twinkle in our eyes at that point. It was, yeah. <laughs> yeah at that point, it was just like, oh, Tim's asked me to do a podcast and not sure if I want to. And like an idiot, you said yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, as I said on there, you bought the equipment, so I thought, oh, shit, I better do it now. <laughs> There's always time to back out, Chris, don't worry. Is there? 
I no, feel like I'm actually, too... no. Actually, there isn't. I'm too far in now. Your redemption arc is you have to stay for at least five uh, five more episodes oh, after that. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, for people looking for me online, I don't know why you would, but um, you can find me on Twitter. My handle is uh, TimblesRH, um, and the official uh, Twitter for this podcast is without a mouse. So yes, um, I've had a bit of help with picking the film this time. Oh. Um. So um. Sir Little of Dave, who is uh, one of our Twitter followers who um mad respect for he's been following my content since i was on youtube okay one right. of my early supporters so hello so little of dave uh that was my travel sick tim account which um don't watch no. oh my god but um, <laughs> he suggested he, well he asked when we were going to do this film and if there are people out there that have seen some of these films i want to take their recommendations because i'm we're just uh, picking... sh- shitting in the dark at a minute <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um, he recommended this film and it is called condor man okay and from the, Interesting. from the very, very, very little info I have on it, I think it's kind of a superhero spoof. Right. So we'll see how that goes. That could be okay, I hope. And if it's shit, we can blame somebody else. Yeah. We'll, we'll block Sir What's-His-Name on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> right. I feel like I need to lie down. Yeah. Bye. Bye. <laughs>